Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for big-hearted creatives who are aching to build impactful, fulfilling, and sustainable creative lives on their own terms and by their own rules every step of the way. I'm Jen Carrington, a creative coach based in the UK, and you're listening to episode five of season six. So for today's guest, I have a wonderful human being on the show. She's both a client and a friend of mine and also just a crazy awesome creative and business owner too. Fiona Barrows is a brand storyteller currently living in Froome and she helps thoughtful creatives share their story through clear and cohesive copy and content. In this episode together, we dive into her experience of leaving behind a successful career and life in London three years ago to travel around Asia and start her own freelance career, and her recent experience of turning that freelance career into an awesome business as a brand storyteller. We explore what it's been like for her to embrace the mindset of being a business owner, not just a freelancer, how she brought her current brand to life, her awesome new podcast and the message behind it, and her approach to copywriting and why she believes in storytelling over aggressive and fear-based marketing too. This was such an awesome conversation to have with Fiona and I am super excited to share it with you today. Let's jump in. Hello Fiona, welcome to the show. Hi Jen, thank you so much for having me. Could you tell that I turned into like podcast mode? (laughs) (laughs) Your voice suddenly changed. (laughs) I'll go back to my normal. (laughs) <laughs> okay so this so this is really interesting because we've been we know each other and we've been working together for a year and a half at least I think yeah but there's so many things about you before we started working together that I don't actually know that much about so I'm excited to find out a little more so you worked at a literary literary agency in London for six years am I right that is correct yes and then three years ago you left and decided to leave it all behind and build something new will you share with us like a little bit more about what that leap was like and kind of what was going on in your head and what kind of motivated you to like leave it all behind and do something different and new okay so it's one of those things where the further away I get from it the more I kind of realize why I actually did it because I kind of had one set of reasons at the time which I now look back on I think that wasn't quite the whole story if that does that make sense yeah it's like the story Um, you told yourself back then yeah exactly so that sort of story is that I was really unhappy in my job Um, I was working at a literary agency which is one of those jobs that everyone thinks oh that's so cool but it just wasn't right for me I was kind of helping other people be creative rather than being creative myself Um, I found it quite um, I felt very stagnant and very stuck um, and I kind of felt like I kind of got into a bit of a just a bit of a hole and I didn't really know how to get out of it I sort of applied for quite a few other jobs but nothing kind of seemed quite right and I kind of always liken it to feeling like I was wearing someone else's clothes like Mm. I kind of had built this life up and it was a great life like there's a lot of stuff about that I look back on my life in London and there's a lot of stuff that I feel really that I was really fond of and I still am I had some amazing friends I was writing a food blog so I was kind of going out and eating all these really cool restaurants a lot um but I just kind of felt like the life I was living wasn't quite right for me I guess And I just really just wanted to get away. So the more I think about it now, the more I realise that I sort of packaged it up as being about that and about wanting to be a travel writer and travel blogger. But I quickly realised that wasn't what I wanted. And also that wasn't really, I I knew at the time that wasn't really the whole reason. It It was more that I really needed to work on my relationship with myself, I guess, like, I was having quite, my anxiety was quite bad. I was having quite regular panic attacks. And I remember sitting in the car with my mum one night. Um, she'd come to meet me, oh God, like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I was, because I'd been having a panic attack. And she'd come to meet me. And I remember kind of saying to her, I just feel like I'm made of glass. Like, I just feel like I'm, there's nothing to me. 
I and it sounds so cliche to say that because I hate the fact that I was one of those girls who kind of left to go find themselves but it was sort of and I hate that but it was sort of that thing I was like I don't know who I am I feel like all I am is just like just reflecting other people I was I was spiraling and you know like if I would like say something that I thought was wrong and I would in in two seconds it would kind of spiral all the way down to like I'm a terrible person I don't know who I am and it was just yeah, I was just I was just in a bit of a mess, basically. Um, and I kind of knew, even if I didn't consciously know, but I kind of knew that I wasn't that that wasn't going to get any better mm. until I had space and time to deal with it all. And that wasn't something that I really had in London. Wow. It was a very kind of full on life. Yeah, so I kind of realized that I was very, very privileged and that my parents had helped me to buy a flat when I was quite young. Um, when I was sort of 22 or something um, and I had a massive mortgage on it but I realized that I could sell the flat um, pay off my mortgage and then just skim a bit of money off what I would have made from the flat and use that to go traveling and kind of as soon as I kind of realized that I couldn't shake that it kind of I kind of kept thinking about it kept thinking about it and then I just thought you know I've just got to do it basically yeah and looking back does it does that feel like one of those pivotal best decisions I ever made moments Yes. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me and I went and it was like a week before I left and I was saying goodbye to him and I was so, so nervous. And I'd kind of been putting on a bit of a face to a lot of my friends of being a bit like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's going to be great. And I think I kind of said to him, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And he just said, it will be the best decision you ever make, Fiona. And it completely was like it, it really was. And so then the first thing you did was you traveled solo around Asia for a year. Yes. And then you settled in Bali where you decided to start freelancing. Yes. So I went to Bali a couple of times on that year. It was actually Laura Jane Williams who kind of pointed me in the direction of Bali. I wasn't planning on going. And then we met up in Bangkok for coffee. Um, I'd Because I'd worked in book publishing, she'd written a blog post about, about wanting an agent and mm. I'd retweeted it. And her agent had seen it, which is how she got her agent. And so we were both in Bangkok at the same time so we met for coffee and she'd just come from Bali and was talking about how amazing it was and I just thought that would be really nice um and I'd already kind of realized that traveling constantly is quite tiring and I sort of wanted to kind of pause for a bit so I went a couple of times that year and just completely fell in love with it um and I think the second time if I hadn't I had I was I'd arranged to meet a friend in Japan I think if I hadn't had that meeting I think I probably would have stayed then but I'm really pleased I did go because I had a great time in Japan and really really loved it so yeah so then I went home for Christmas and came back to Bali um, and was there for nine months I think wow. and what was that season of your life like amazing <laughs> <laughs> the best <laughs> um it was really it was just it it was I mean it was just absolutely amazing I mean Bali is such a magical place and I'm not massively the word I use is woo woo I'm not massively woo woo I kind of got quite into a lot of that stuff there but people talk about like the Bali magic like how sometimes you just sort of like it seems that you kind of need something and somehow you meet the person who kind of can give that to you it's, it's really weird but it was just really beautiful and um there's a really big digital nomad and I'm using quote marks there <laughs> Um, wanky quote marks um, <laughs> digital nomad community there um, and a couple of really amazing co-working spaces and it was the, it was the people that were really great because it just kind of attracts people who are really kind of keen 
to do things a bit differently and to to just kind of live life on their own terms and I met some amazing people and it's also I also really kind of pushed myself as well like I did Petra Kucha night which is like a public speaking event and startup weekend and but because it's kind of in Bali it's kind of like a really safe mm. space I guess um so yeah I got a lot a lot out of it and I think in terms of the sort of sorting out my relationship with myself it was completely pivotal 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 <laughs> yeah pivotal <laughs> no it's I've heard so many like on different podcasts people say what you just said about Bali like they can't explain it but like it's this magical place where you, you kind of find something happens to you that you like that you needed and it just kind of all falls into place I remember listening to Laura Jane Williams talk about her time in Bali on Nicole Antoinette's show Oh, cool. And that was really interesting. Okay, so so since so the first time we connected, I remember you were still in Bali. Yes. And you were planning on coming home soon. And since then, so we've we've known each other and been working together for a year and about a year and a half now, maybe a little bit yeah. more. And so in, since that time, you came back to the UK for a little bit. You moved to Italy for nine months to live and work on a sustainable farm. And now you're back in the UK living in Froome. I always have to ask you, is it Froome or Froome? But it's Froome, right? I've got it. It's Froome. <laughs> I had this conversation with an American friend last night. He was like, you really need to tell people how it's pronounced. <laughs> well, I'm coming next week, so I can't wait to see it. I'm very yeah. excited. So, and so, so since you've been back, so kind of during the time when you were kind of wrapping up your time in Italy and since coming back to the UK, something we've really explored together is kind of you transitioning from seeing yourself as just like a freelance copywriter and content creator and really being a business owner with a business and kind of what that feels like. Can you share a little bit more about what that journey has been like for you and how it's kind of been to shift your mindset and approach to your work? Yeah, so this is all completely down to you, basically. I don't think I would have got there if it hadn't been for you and your fantastic coaching. So since I went back to Bali um, to kind of live for nine months, I'd been freelancing, doing quite a lot of book editing because of my experience working in book publishing and then copywriting and content creation. Um, and while I was at in Italy, I sort of realized that I wanted to come back to the UK and I wanted to kind of have a home and I wanted to really sort of put more into my work um and so the move from sort of seeing myself as a freelancer and seeing myself as sort of a business owner has been sort of really key to that I mean it's it's basically a mindset shift more than anything practical I guess mm. um and also I need to be quite clear this isn't to say anything negative about freelancing yeah, like there are course. plenty of freelancers who take themselves really seriously who do amazing work it's more that to me, freelancing had sort of become about taking what was coming to me, mm. not actively going out and seeking. So since Bala, I kind of had a, a steady trickle of work, but because I hadn't had to earn that much money, it was perfect. It was enough for me to get by on. Um, living in Italy, I was volunteering, so I didn't have to pay room and board. Um, so I just needed to earn enough to kind of have a nice weekend away once a month. Um, and my freelance work was doing that. And I remember we had a call over the summer where you sort of said, oh, yeah, Fiona Bowers is a business. And I went, oh, <laughs> I was like, and it was, I mean, it's so obvious. And I just hadn't thought of it in that way. And I kind of spent the next few weeks before our next call just kind of thinking over it and being like, do I want a business? Like, is this something that I really want? And I realized that, yes, I did. And it was about wanting to take myself more, myself and my work more seriously, I think. Mm. Um, and also shifting from sort of just kind of 
taking whatever comes and not necessarily going after anything and kind of really thinking about, right, who do I want to work with? Who are my dream clients and how can I attract them in? So I guess sort of moving from being sort of reactive to being proactive was sort of the biggest shift. I think you just hit the nail on the head there with kind of that shift of, because like you said, freelancing is amazing. People are building incredible freelance careers and doing amazing work. I think that distinction between a freelancer and a business owner is when you're a business owner, you have built a kind of a infrastructure for yourself where you have this business and you have these services and you are completely directing where it's going. Yeah, I think it it, it really felt as well that it came out of having more confidence in yeah. what I was doing. And I think when I first started, I didn't really know how to copyright like I, I can write but that art and then also the art of like dealing with the clients as well and I learned a lot in those two years about how to best serve my clients and I think to begin with I kind of felt really insecure so I didn't really want to kind of ask questions and I kind of felt like it was a mark of a good copywriter to kind of go away and write copy that by reading their brain and not having those conversations that that was what made a good copywriter was kind of just being able to go and do it and I realized that actually that's not how maybe some people can do that but that's not how I can do it and that that's not how I work best so it's also kind of about taking charge of my own process I guess and being like right this is how I want to do it and how I know that I can best serve my clients by doing it yeah I mean that was I think been one of the coolest things I've seen you do is you really spent a good chunk of time like really diving deep into like not just uncovering your process but your business your services your message like you really sat with it and really developed it so that you're not just a copywriter or a content creator you have a process and a point of view that is so unique to you and something we've spoke about so much is how like that's what makes I think that's a big part of a business as well business isn't just like a hand for hire it's you have a perspective and approach and people are coming to you because they want to work with Fiona not just someone who can do what you do but your perspective and your approach and it was so cool like you really dedicated time to you know building a website that really represented who you were and de developing your process and all those things can you share a little bit about what that was like that season of like diving deep into kind of bringing the business to life and how you pushed through any of like the fears and the resistance and just the frustrations that can come up through that process as well yeah um so I had a food and travel blog since I was I don't know 26 I sort of for quite a long time and I kind of turned into travel blog when I was traveling and then I kind of set up my own website for my freelance work but I never felt like I had like an online home that I was really proud of and that I really felt like represented me and said what I wanted to say I always kind of felt again that it was kind of like the wrong fit and one of the things I know about myself is that I'm not very good at sharing and promoting myself like I know that so I really felt like if I'm going to do this then I need to have something that I feel feel really happy sharing and promoting because I've got to otherwise I won't make a go of this at all um and so I spent a long time and it was really frustrating because I was kind of leaving Italy and I knew that as soon as I left Italy I was going to have to pay my way fully and you know there was obviously quite big financial concerns um about that but I also knew that I wanted to get it right or as close to right as I could to begin with um so it probably took I don't know like three months I guess I did mm. um Caroline Zook's better branding course yeah. which was really amazing and I learned a lot about branding from that course I think and I spent a lot of time really thinking and I went through quite a lot of different ideas and I'm really pleased I didn't go with any of them because I look back <laughs> now and I'm like oh god what was that I was kind of coming up with a different idea each week of how to and I really wanted to find a way to kind of unite 
everything into something really cohesive. And I've always felt quite disparate online, I think. I've always felt like I've kind of had my freelance work and then like my blogging and I want to write about this and, oh, but I need to write about this. And I just kind of wanted to find a way to make them all feel like a whole. Um, and it was really challenging because it's the sort of thing where you lose sight of what you're doing really quickly and you can't see it clearly. And it's so much harder to do this stuff yourself than it is mm. to do it for someone else. And I now talk to friends and clients about their businesses and I can kind of see those links quite clearly, quite quickly, but it's so much harder when it's your business and you're so close to it. Um, and I guess it was just a case of kind of just keeping keep reminding myself that this was something that I really wanted and that I really wanted to build and I think when it took a lot of time I think I just had to think right well I'm building the foundation here and if the foundations are wobbly then it's a waste of time anyway and I think that's always been the problem is that I've kind of always built stuff on wobbly foundations before so I was like I'm just going to make sure that they are really really solid but yeah it was it was a really difficult period really difficult yeah, I remember when you emailed me over the, like, the mood board for your website, you know, with the colours and the images. Yeah. And it was just, I was just so excited because it felt like you and it felt so professional, but it also represented, it wasn't like corporate or stuffy. It was like human and engaging and it had that like outdoorsy vibe. Yeah, which I was really keen to get. I actually came up with the colour scheme when I was in Austria. So part of when I left Italy, I went to Austria for a week and stayed at this amazing spa as like a as like a bit of a a break between Italy and coming back to the UK. Um, and I was doing Caroline's course then and really thinking about my visual branding. And I'm not a visual person, so it's something I've always struggled with. Um, and I just remember like lying and looking outside at the trees and they had like those autumn, that like autumny autumnal yellow in them yeah. and the green and then the grey mountain and the, I think it was snowing at the time. So then there was white. And I just thought, ah, that's quite nice <laughs> and so that's that's literally where the color scheme came from <laughs> oh it's beautiful and it was just it was like I find with everyone I work with who's in a similar stage that you were in where it's like they they're building the business even if they've been doing the work for a long time but they're kind of shifting from just like I'll take anything that comes to I'm going to have a business and direct where this is going it's such a tough process because you're asking yourself really big scary questions like what do I want to be known for and how do I want people to perceive me and my brand and then you got to price yourself and develop it all and it was I feel like with you with every step you kept going on it was just a bit more courage a bit more courage and a bit more just kind of it's like you had this energy where you just like fuck it I'm just I'm going for it because it's, it's it was kind of not a now or never but it kind of felt a little bit like that did you feel like that for you? It really did and I think I definitely said fuck it quite a few times <laughs> I think there was definitely quite a lot of like just do it like just come on and I think it had been building for a while and yeah. I think having done this sort of freelance work was really great because I had learned quite a lot about myself my process then but you're right it's just it's just big question after big question and I think when you're when you're doing that you do really need to give yourself the space to really think about it and I was fortunate that I did have that as well yeah that I was able to give myself that so another exciting thing you've done really recently is start a podcast and I have been hearing about this podcast <laughs> like I think it's been like a year of the idea right yeah at least <laughs> and when you told me the idea for this show I was like 
oh my God, like this is, that's the kind of show that I would be so excited to listen to. And so, I, and I just love like the heart and the message and just everything behind the show. Will you share a little bit more with everyone listening kind of about why you decided to start a podcast about living life a little differently and kind of what your kind of, your thoughts are around that too? Yeah, so you're right. I, th- I came up with this idea at least a year ago and it was one of those things that kind of was just on the back burner and I kept thinking, right, I want to do it, I want to do it, but I just never did. And it, the title comes from, it's the same title as a blog post I wrote two years ago I think that seemed to really kind of resonate with quite a few people it was one of those blog posts that quite a few people responded to me via direct messages on whatever saying oh my god I totally get what you're saying and it comes from this thought that I I don't feel like and maybe this is just me but I don't feel like I've really made an active decision about what I wanted my life to be like mm. up until I left London. Like, I don't think, I think I was just sort of following the crowd. Like, I don't remember ever deciding to go to university. I just kind of feel like it was what was expected of me. Everyone at my school was going. Um, the year before, I won a prize for English Lit. So I think I was like, oh, well, that's what I need to study then. Mm. And then I came to London because that's what all of my friends were doing. And that's kind of, again, what was expected of me. And I took the first job that I was offered after like a period of like work experience but I took that first job even though I knew in my gut it wasn't right for me I still kind of took it because it just felt like that was what was expected um and I think that there's this kind of idea that there's one way to live your life and that's Mm. sort of like the right way that you kind of you get a job and you start climbing the career ladder then you meet someone and you get married and you start having children and maybe you move out to the suburbs and it's kind of there's like this one track And I think that one of the things that I've always found really difficult is that I don't, my life hasn't followed that. And I don't feel like following that would be right for me. And so I really just wanted to kind of explore like different ways of living your life. Like I really wanted to kind of have conversations with people who have built their lives and are living their lives a little differently and are doing something outside of the norm to kind of say, there isn't just one way to live your life. You can do things a bit differently and you can be happy and find fulfillment and be successful on your own terms. And that just felt really important to me, I guess. And I, and it's, it, it kind of came from all of that really. And I, it's basically just an excuse for me to have conversations about the stuff I want to have conversations with, with the people I want to have them with. That's the best part of a podcast. (laughs) It's amazing. I really, I'm really, really enjoying it. But yeah, I just think it's quite an important message because I think when I left London, the only thing I thought I could do was travel blogging. And I know that the online world has changed quite a lot since then. And I think that if I was to do the same thing now, I would know that there were other options. But I still think that there, I think that if your life is kind of following that track, you only really have to look on Facebook to kind of get an idea Mm -hmm. of what's coming like everyone's kind of sharing photos and everyone's talking about stuff. and But I think that when you're not following that track, and I wrote a blog post about this recently, and that I don't really know what my future looks like, mm. it can be really hard to imagine it. It can be really hard to kind of, yeah, to know what your future looks like. So I just kind of wanted to have those conversations. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Like I was having this conversation with a friend the other day about how I feel like, as a gen, just like as a society, so a lot, so many people are not even asking themselves, wait, what kind of life do I want to live? They're just asking themselves, how can I make sure that I'm keeping up and reaching the markers of success that are expected of me? Exactly. And I think that's the thing is I think people don't, or I know I definitely didn't make any conscious decisions about what I wanted until, yeah, until I left London, until I really thought about what it was that I wanted. Because you're sort of told that that's, 
that that's what's going to make you happy and that's what's going to make you fulfilled like you're everyone kind of keeps saying that yeah this is what you need to go for this is what you need to do and I kind of got a certain way down the line and was like and I felt really confused because I was like everyone's told me that this is meant to be great and I wasn't feeling great and I and I kind of internalized it and beat myself up about it a lot I think because I was like well, why aren't I happier yeah. I should be happy and I'm not and I didn't know why and there's nothing worse than that than, than being mad at yourself and not being happy and I think something I know kind of something we spoke about a while back was kind of you you believe in all of this and you know all of this, but I know just like because you're human and you live in this, we live in this Western world where this is just what's taught to us, is that it's hard to actually give yourself permission to live life on your own terms when you're surrounded by people who maybe aren't or who are uncomfortable by, like, how have you found continuing to kind of carve out your own path in the face of people who might not get it or who, in face of people who you kind of think, oh my God, do they wonder what the hell I'm doing with my life? Um, It's very difficult. And I think, I think... That, that was something that was really amazing about Bali is that that everyone there felt a similar way I think so it's kind of it was much easier to kind of hold strong to that idea that I'm doing the right thing I'm figuring stuff out on my own I'm working on this and that felt much easier and then I think when I came back to the UK and to the and to that sort of and I put myself around different people suddenly it did all feel a lot harder um and it is hard because you kind of feel sometimes I get a bit defensive and I Mm. and I hate myself for doing it and you sort of feel like you have to sort of justify yourself all the time and I can I can see myself doing I can see myself when I'm in a group of friends and someone said something and I instantly go and I instantly kind of get defensive and say something about and I kind of justify how I'm living my life and I I hate that I do that but I do because it just it feels it feels like I have to justify it a lot and that I have to explain myself. And I think, well, does anyone else have to explain themselves? Like no one like does someone else have to explain why they're, you know, why they're marrying someone that they love? Like mm. it it just kind of feels like you yeah, that you have to explain yourself a lot more. Um and it is and it is very difficult and very tough. And especially when you're also sort of surrounded by all like it's not just our friends and family that tell us we should live life a certain way. It's it's advertising yeah. as a whole and it's television and film and everything is kind of, it's like a bombardment of stuff. Um, and it feels like wider society is telling you to do stuff a certain way. And it can be quite hard to kind of hold firm to that, I guess. But I think the thing that does really help is having conversations with people who are doing mm. things who are looking at life in a similar way to me and doing things differently their way. Um, And again, that's why I wanted to start the podcast. I mean, purely for personal reasons. I just kind of wanted to have these conversations so I could feel a bit stronger, I guess, about it. Yeah, no, I think think being surrounded by people who get it even so even then you can still have relationships with the people who don't get it because you don't need that from them as long as you have people in your life like one of the things I hate if anyone ever doesn't get what I do and they kind of they just assume that my husband must just make all the money even though it's the other way around (laughs) what I do and I it's like I hate this about myself I like overcompensate by being like yeah but I make this much money or like things like that like and I'm not a braggy person (laughs) I don't but it's like I like I'll say like oh but I work with this many clients or I made this much money or I I did this and it's like wait I don't have to validate my career just because they don't get it but yeah having people to who get it is like the biggest relief of my life yeah and I think it's and I've done that as well I've always made a big thing about how much I'm working like I'll always make a point of being like no I'm I'm, I do like I'm in my office and I'm sat working like I don't want people to think that I'm not doing anything all day 
But then I think, well, why does it, you know, it shouldn't matter that they think that anyway. But one of the things that I had, I did think the other day, though, is that I've got like a group of friends from school and we've got like a WhatsApp group. And it was quite sweet. It was quite funny. We were all talking about what was going on in our lives and our lives are all really different now. Um, and none of us, I don't think, really get what anyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> like they, I was talking about the podcast and I was talking about launching it and I had a bit of a panic because it wasn't up on iTunes straight away. And I kind of said, I'm launching it on Monday. And then it didn't go on up on iTunes until about 5 p.m. And I was kind of sat on there being like, I don't know what's going on. Um, And then another one of my friends is in the Navy and she was kind of talking about Navy stuff and none of us really understood what she was talking about. And then I was talking about this and then another friend is doing a PhD and we were talking about that. And I did, you're right in that you can be friends with people who don't, who don't get it. Like it, it doesn't stop the friendships at all, but there is something about having those conversations with people who do and who are living in a similar way to you that is really valuable as well. And I think on the flip side, also all my friendship group, like we've all been friends since school and everyone does. Some of them are self-employed, but in different ways, but a lot of them are like teachers or things like that. But what I actually love spending, those are the friends I spend the most time with. But what I love is they don't see me as Jen, the business owner. So I really just get to like, be like the the least together version of myself and like I don't feel like I have to have all my crap together and I don't feel like I'm defined by my business which is nice actually it's like a nice place to stay connected to me outside of my work so that is something I'm very grateful for those friends is they couldn't give flying crap how many people listen to my podcast or how many clients I booked so I love that about them so it's it's but yeah but then I have my like freelance like my business friends and my creative friends and I'm just so grateful that I can have like more like conversations with them so it's nice to it's nice to have the balance yeah it is I think that's really important to have a balance between different things and also you don't want to get into a bubble either like I don't just want to kind of get into a bubble of only talking to and spending time with people who are kind of in this world because I think you lose perspective a bit yeah we start thinking that everyone works from home in their pjs (laughs) and we forget that people are commuting every day but also I think one of the things that I've also found is sometimes when I talk about why I've made certain decisions is that other people sometimes get a bit defensive about it. Other people feel like you're talking about them and their life choices. And that can be really difficult as well. And I think that that's, it's a two way thing. I think that when you kind of start doing something a bit differently, other people think you're, you're kind of rejecting them and what they've done. And that can be really difficult as well. Yeah, and it's like that in all areas of life, isn't it? It's, I, there's this post by Sarah Von Bagen, which is like, my choices aren't a commentary on yours. And I think, I honestly have found that's where friendship can go sour when when people think a story you're sharing or a decision you've made, is like they take it as a commentary on theirs and vice versa. And it's like, it's really in the relationships we have in our life, really knowing like your choices are not a reflection of my choices. We're allowed to want different things, but it, I think it takes a lot of um, holding space for someone else's truth while also holding space for your own, maybe completely different truth. It's hard. It's it's interesting. Yeah. And I think that's something that I'm very aware of with doing the podcast is I don't want it to kind of be like doing stuff differently is so much better than doing stuff mm-hmm. the norm. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that norm is works for so many people and that's why it is the norm. Like that's why so many people do it and I think it works and a lot of people find real happiness and fulfillment and get a lot of joy from that and all I'm saying is that it's not for everyone and that there are some people who don't and who might want to explore doing something a bit differently 
Exactly. Like one of my happiest, my oldest friend, she lives in London. She's an accountant. Her boyfriend, like he works in a corporate job and she's just the happiest person I know. And like, so, and that's my nightmare of a life. <laughs> but she's so happy. Yeah, I probably have her nightmare of a life and I'm so happy. And I think it's good to stay connected to people who have different life experiences to you. Because then I think the best thing is we have to find our path that makes us happy. And it's all connected to our personality style and what brings us joy. So, but it's awesome that you're holding space for these conversations about people who have lived life a little differently because I think being able to see something that you didn't know was possible is one of the most empowering things when you're embarking on this journey because you're like, oh my God, this is just a normal human who's carved out a path that I never even knew was possible. So I think it's wonderful that you're holding space for these conversations. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the things I love the most about your work is your perspective when it comes to copywriting and content creation. I know we've had so many conversations kind of about why we both really believe that the best kind of copy focuses on storytelling and not just really aggressive selling and kind of focusing on building relationships more than making just a quick sale. So I would love, will you share a little bit more of us about the kind of the core beliefs that shape the work you do as a brand storyteller? Yes. So I think, I think there's sort of three things that sort of feed into my um, perspective and why I decided to go, why I decided to label myself a brand storyteller and to kind of make that the main focus and sort of thrust of my work. So the first one is that I really only want to work with small independent businesses. Like mm. I kind of feel like there is a slight ethical dilemma. I don't know whether that's the right word, kind of at the heart of being a copywriter in that I'm very, and maybe it's because I believe so strongly in words and their power that I sort of feel like there's a responsibility that comes with being a copywriter in that I only want to work with people who are doing something that they really believe in not necessarily mm -hmm. even that I believe in but that they are doing something that they really believe in that they are doing something that might make the, wor the world a bit better I guess mm. and I think that there's a lot of copywriting that sort of plays to people's insecurities and I really get really uncomfortable when I see that and I think it's particularly true in the online world actually mm. I see it quite a lot and it sort of plays on people's insecurity. And I just and I just never wanted to go down that route, I guess. And that wasn't what I really wanted to do. And I do believe really strongly in stories. Like what you were just saying is I do think that stories are how we connect to each other as humans. And that by telling your stories and stories, like that that is how you can really connect to other people and how you can and how you can sell without having to sell, if mm. that makes sense. Like, I think there's a real art to it of, ha of connecting to people and telling your story and having them really believe what you're about that makes selling a lot less icky, I guess, for want of a better word. And so I really believed in that. And that's kind of my whole approach. And then I think for my own process that we spoke about earlier, about coming up with my brand and building my business, was that I realised how valuable the time spent thinking about what it was that I really wanted to say before I started to write the copy was. And it's something that I noticed with a few of my freelance copywriting clients is that one of the things that kind of kept coming up that would come up in feedback was that they would say, I just feel so much clearer about what I'm doing and where I'm going. And I think that clarity is something that really comes out of the process. And I sort of wanted to kind of almost make more of that and sort of formalize it I guess a bit which is why I kind of came up with the brand mapping kind of part mm. of my process because I wanted to sort of come up with something that would really help people to get even clearer on what they were doing and that's where I found 
for myself that's what's been really valuable for me and I don't think that I would have had the courage to kind of really put myself out there and really promote myself had I not spent that time getting really clear on what it was that I wanted to say yeah I know we we really explore this together as like I really think it's developing your own process is what gives you confidence in your business because you know that you've developed something that you really believe in how you're going to walk with your clients from the start point to the end point of your time working together. And I mean, I've seen your process and it's it's amazing because it's really been built on the lessons you've learned from working with all the freelance clients you've worked with. And it's really rooted in your the core beliefs of your business. Like you're not taking any shortcuts. So for example, maybe some copywriting clients like, I just want my copy done. But because you have such a strong perspective of, listen, if you want this to actually work for your business, you need to go through this process and that's how we're going to get to your best copy. And I just think that must have given you so much confidence to be like, I have a process that I believe in and that is rooted in my beliefs and my values. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, it has given me a lot of confidence. And I think it's also going back to what we said earlier about the freelancing and the difference between freelancing and business is I felt very much that freelancing was selling myself. Mm. And that was something that I felt really uncomfortable with. But I think having put all this work into coming up with packages and deliverables and things that people get at the end, I feel like I'm selling that rather than myself. And that also makes me feel a lot more confident because I'm selling something that isn't me. Yeah. And I just, I I do really believe in the process. And I do think that it comes back to, again, this idea that, you know, that good copy somehow you're meant to kind of like, just like pull it out of thin air. And I don't really believe in that. And I don't, I think that the best copy comes from knowing who you are and what you do and who you're trying to connect to and is kind of built out from that um and that's how you get really good copy I I believe no I I could not agree more and I think it takes so much courage to not like I really do agree with you like I feel like we've we're in this age of like marketing being all like aggressive and like tapping into someone's pain points and insecurities and really like making someone feel like like I had one client recently and the coach she worked with before me she didn't tell me who it was so I'm not I'm not like dishing the dirt on anyone but she um she told me that she signed up because she got an email like a sales email that was like if you don't sign up to this your life will be a shit show (laughs) and I was like sadly that that sales copy is probably working but that is in my opinion unethical because and it's just it's I think it's having the confidence in your work and the courage to tell your stories and tell your truth and to know that your stories and opinions and ideas are the magic. Like that's where the magic happens and you can build a relationship with potential clients built on mutual respect. Mm. And they're going to feel really excited to work with you if you if they feel connected to who you are and what you're about and you've not made them feel like a piece of shit and like they have to work with you to improve their life. Yeah, I also feel that people are more intelligent than I think yes, a lot of marketers yeah. give them credit for. And I think that people are getting more and more wise to that stuff as well. And I think because you just see the same lines over and over again, like you just see the same stuff and it's all based on what people think their clients want to hear or Mm. what their potential clients want to hear and it's all based on that rather than on who they are and so it's sort of going about it the wrong way I think it's sort of focusing on that rather than on it's kind of moving back rather than moving out I think yeah um and I just see it and I I I think of it as kind of like copy that says what it should like you you write what you think you should say rather than what you actually really want to say and I just don't think it works no it's kind of when it comes like content creation my kind of rule is I think I feel like people are taught to create reader-led content but I think you need to create reader-focused content so content that is focused on your readers but you're leading it you're not just responding to what you think people want to hear from you it's got to come from a deeper place within you if it's going to have legs and I think people are afraid to do that because I think some people are like oh but do I really have anything to say or is there anything really interesting but 
I have the opinion of if you started a business, you have something to say. But like what you're doing with your brand mapping process is you're holding space for people to actually build a relationship with that, with actually what they want to say and connect with that. So then their copy, you can create beautiful copy and content that actually represents who they are and makes them feel at home in their business, not like they've kind of had to compromise who they are to make a quick sale. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I want. I want people who feel to feel at home with their business and with their website afterwards I think it's that feeling of being like no this is me and this represents me and then that is what then gives them the confidence and courage to then go out and promote themselves and to talk about themselves and to you know and to share what they're working on yeah and it all starts with copy and content I think like what you say is everything even if you have a visual brand so for a visual creator it's like a photographer or designer obviously someone's going to connect with their style first but still I think your copy and your content is it's everything in your business it all starts from that if that's not working you're not going to connect you're not going to resonate you're not going to be able to stand out amongst the crowd so I completely agree I get really I I see a lot of that people I think because they think that they can't create their own logo because it feels like it's a completely different skill set that a lot of people especially at the beginning stages of their business pay for their logo and not for their copy mm-hmm. and I'm obviously very biased here like I obviously <laughs> very biased but I just think that's completely the wrong way around you can make something yourself I mean I've my logo I did myself um and and I did all beautiful. my visual branding myself I mean it took me quite a long time and a lot of swearing at the screen to get right <laughs> um but you know but I did it myself but I don't feel like that is what's really that's that's not my brand that's kind of like the little deck that's like the decorations Mm -hmm. on my website I think that it's the words that are really the core of who you are and they're the things that people really connect to and that people can really see themselves in and really you know and you say something really resonates with someone I think that's when people then decide to work with you or to buy your products or to um yeah or to commit to to that yeah I think your visuals makes people want to follow you on social media and I think your copy is what makes people trust you and want to buy from you. Unless if you're a visual creative, I think it's a, I think the visuals probably maybe have a little bit more weight. Like, but the copy is if they leave that part out, they're all, they're missing out such a huge relevant part. But I think in general, visuals is what makes someone kind of think, oh, this is cool. But copy is what helps you build a relationship with a potential client and customer. So I could not agree with you more. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm ending every episode this season with a quick fire round. Are you ready? Ooh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm nervous. So what is the best book you've read recently? Okay, anyone who follows me on Instagram is going to know what I'm going to say. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. It's um, on my bookshelf. I need to read it. How, oh, so you must, I've seen you sharing it on your Instagram stories. And I was like, every time I was like, I need to read this next. Best book I've read in, I mean, I read quite a lot. Um, best book I've read in well over a year, I think. It's just, I cried, I laughed. It's just, it's just beautiful. When it came out, there's like the like the roses, the UK and the American cover is totally different. And I really preferred the American one. So when we were on our honeymoon, I went to a Barnes and Noble and I was like, I need to get this book because I need the American cover. <laughs> That's so good. I haven't actually seen the American cover, but I find it's, UK, US cover differences really interesting. So it's like there's some books that I like um, will wait until like if we go to America that like, year to buy. Because <laughs> I'm like, the, on some books like, um, like Tara Moore's Playing Big, for some reason, her American cover is like quite boring, but her UK cover is really like creative and interesting. I'm so curious behind what how they decide different covers for different like countries. It's so interesting. Yeah, it was something that came up quite a lot, like working at the agency, and it was always and also like I always used to love like the German covers. They always used to do oh. really random stuff. Like if you ever look at a book's German cover, it's quite often quite weird. 
like there's some some covers are just yeah they i don't i don't know quite what the process is but it's obviously like aimed at who they you know at the market yeah. what they think people will like uh, interesting. okay if you could have a coffee date with one of your creative heroes inspirations that are alive who would it be um alexandra franson oh she's my hero too i love her i'm obsessed <laughs> with her i just every everything she writes i just think is gold i'm just I really want to, I really, really want to save enough money to go on one of her, like, writing retreats yeah, with her wife. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. They look amazing. They look so good. Um, and I, I also love, I listened to um, her podcast on her Real Talk radio yeah, episode yeah. recently. And I love how unashamedly uncool she is. <laughs> she like, loves Magic Mike. <laughs> yes, she's just talking about Magic Mike and getting so enthusiastic about it. And it's just having, she just sounds like she would just be so much fun to hang out with. Yeah. Um, yeah so it would she's be my favorite human on the internet and it's so interesting because she has no social media presence oh. so like the way we connect with her is like through her content and and this is so sad at least once a month it's not sad it's awesome I go on in um podcast like the iTunes podcast and I search her name and see if she's been on any recent shows because <laughs> I just look and Alex will sometimes come in the room and he'll be like oh it's you're listening to this episode again with this woman <laughs> and I'll be like yeah I love her she's just she's just fantastic she's amazing okay in another life what's a job completely different to what you do now that you think you could have been awesome at oh god um this is a really difficult one okay so I mean I think that if I was able to sing I would make (laughs) a really good pop star (laughs) but Sadly, as anyone who has ever, I mean, I'm literally known amongst my group of friends for my absolutely terrible singing voice. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't at all, but I do love dancing and I can't even, like <laughs> lip sync along to stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, had I been able to sing, I would have been an incredible pop star. <laughs> and finally, if everyone listening could go and do one thing next to connect with you and the awesome work you do, where should they go? Um, they should go to my website, uh, com, And I would really love people to sign up to my newsletters, which I send out. I send They're called Letter and Notes, and I send it every Monday morning. Um, and it's like a little piece from me, a little essay about what I'm kind of thinking about um that week I kind of shared this morning I said that basically it's just become me saying I feel like this please someone tell me you feel the same (laughs) it's literally just become that um and then I also include links to like obviously like um my latest episode of the podcast and blog um and then also things that I've been reading watching listening to that week um there's normally sort of five or six things um and yeah and I'd really love people to sign up to that and I will is advocate the right word I will say that I'm a big fan I get them in my inbox every Monday and I usually reply like Fiona this is so good um they're so cool they feel so just real and human but not like a dear diary burst you know what I mean you've got that beautiful blend of like it's not dear diary but it's not salesy it's just like truth and just like and then I love the link so it's it's wonderful everyone should go turn up I will put a link to all of Fiona's stuff in the show notes but thank you for coming on today thank you so much Jen this has been so much fun And there we have it, today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about Fiona and the awesome work she's doing in the world, head over to makeithappenpodcast.com where you can dive into this episode's show notes and all past episodes too. And if you'd like more from me, head over to jencarrington.com where you can explore all of the content I create for big-hearted creatives just like you. More than anything, thank you so much for listening along today and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day ahead. Keep on doing the awesome work that you're doing in the world and I'll be rooting for you always.